Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Relatable Mama podcast presented by Anchor Behavioral Consulting. I'm your podcast host, Anna Richardella, and I am a mom of two boys, two and under, a wife, board-certified behavior analyst, and the owner of Anchor Behavioral Consulting. It is my passion to help other parents feel supported and seen, and I hope that by listening to this podcast, you are able to learn something new or just feel like you're not alone. Let's get into this week's episode. Today's guest is Caitlin Morris, and Caitlin and I have known each other for quite a few years now, so why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Caitlin. I have two kids, a daughter, almost three, and a son, two months. I am a party planner and part-time realtor. Awesome. So Caitlin and I met each other through our husbands before we were both married. Her husband and my husband have known each other since middle school, I I think. think elementary school. Elementary school. And when we started dating them, we became friends and now we're best friends. Best (laughs) friends, absolutely. (laughs) On today's episode, we're going to talk about our experiences as a first-time mom versus a second-time mom and some of the differences going through pregnancy, birth, recovery, and the first year or so of life with both of our kids. Caitlin, why don't you talk about your experience with pregnancy as a first-time mom? So I found out I was pregnant with my first at the very beginning of COVID on my husband's birthday, March 18th, so right as the world was shutting down, which was very scary. I had her in November, so still very heavy COVID restrictions at that time. My husband wasn't able to come to any of my doctor's appointments. We actually had to book a private ultrasound so that he could partake in that experience. Um, Little support just because of restrictions and the fear, first time mom fear, COVID fear, kind of everything with that. Yeah, I think I had a little bit of a similar experience because I found out I was pregnant in January of 2021, so the world was opening up a little bit more, but still a little scary. Same thing, my husband wasn't allowed at any of the appointments. I think he came to one of my high-risk appointments, so overall the whole experience was very isolating, and I think that was actually when Caitlin and I really started to have even more of a bond was because we were both going through those things or she had gone through those things already. So it was really easy for me to be able to talk to her about what I was going through. Um, I think a lot of my personal experiences with my first pregnancy were a little challenging in that I had gestational diabetes. I had morning sickness throughout my entire pregnancy. Um, I ended up needing an emergency induction at the end, but some of the positives were that I think in general as a first-time mom you get to rest as much as you are able to outside of your regular responsibilities and that is certainly not the case when you're a second-time mom. Definitely I was fully working from home with my first so that was like very easy I'll say in the sense that I didn't have to get up and get dressed every day. I did happen to be very lucky with an easy pregnancy and No morning sickness or issues like that, but I was able to really fully rest and relax in the comfort of my home. I also had a really flexible job at that point, and I was able to leave my job when I needed to, to come home and rest or come in late if I was really sick. So that was a great benefit the first time. 
So pregnancy as a second time mom for me looked totally different. Um, I had a very different job at that point. It still had a lot of flexibility, but of course I had a less than two year old in tow who was really at the start of the terrible twos, which was super exhausting, especially in that first trimester when you're already just exhausted waking up and getting yourself out of bed. It was really, really challenging to deal with some of the toddler tantrums that we were going through, getting him ready for school, doing drop-off. All of those things were such a bigger challenge. However, I had a lot less complications the second time around with crew. I didn't have gestational diabetes. I had very minimal morning sickness. It resolved really quickly. Um, The only difference was that I did have my preeclampsia diagnosis sooner, so I did have a lot of anxiety knowing that I would have to be induced at the end of my pregnancy. So I think that was a little bit tricky for me and my own personal anxiety with lack of control, but also knowing that there was an end date to it. It was kind of confusing. Um, There were less COVID restrictions when I was pregnant. I found out that I was pregnant with my second son in July of 2022. (laughs) And um, by the end of my pregnancy, all of the restrictions were lifted. So that was really nice. My second, I found out I was pregnant um, November of 2022. Yes. We're not good with the years, apparently. Um, Same with Anna. I had a two-year-old at the time, so in tow, she was in her full toddler two tantrums, which was difficult. I did have more morning sickness this time, and we had just sold our house and were living with my in-laws. So helpful in the sense that I had the help with her in the mornings. My mother-in-law was always home, so sometimes I was able to just kind of dump the two-year-old off if I needed a little extra help. But I was leaving the house, bringing her to daycare. I did still have the flexibility of working from home, which was nice. So being able to relax. And then halfway through pregnancy, we found a house that was a full renovation job, which was exciting. So um, pregnancy, renovating, painting, still doing all of the things that probably shouldn't have been doing during pregnancy but powered through when we were able to move in before he was born which was great. I did have an emergency induction this time because it ended up that I had preeclampsia also. They just didn't know until I started having severe itching (laughs) which was weird but then they did blood work found out it was preeclampsia and had an emergency induction for him. So yeah that's also super scary at the end when you kind of think that I know in your case it was that you were on an antibiotic and you thought maybe it was from the antibiotic and then had the blood work and found out that it was preeclampsia and I think that that can be super triggering especially when you have another child that you have to care for because it's last minute finding somebody to watch them and I know that you have some help as well but just that lack of control and anxiety about what's going to happen and you know you not being able to be there for your older child can be really scary definitely so tell me about your birth experience with Deanna so Deanna was born November of 2020 everything was good with her um, no complications I ended up going into labor my water broke um, partially 
And I kept telling my husband I was trying to time contractions, which is super tricky, especially if you've never had a child before or know what to expect. And I thought I had more time, I'd say. <laughs> um, also wasn't in like super severe pain, definitely hurt, but just kept telling myself, it has to get worse than this. My husband, I called the emergency line for the doctor because it was the evening, it was like six o'clock, so they were gone for the day. They didn't return my call, but I didn't know how long I was supposed to wait. So an hour passed, my husband was full panicked, had the car packed and running, and was like, we're driving to the hospital. I'm like, but they didn't call me. It's COVID. I don't know if we can go into the hospital. I don't know how it works. He made me go. My water broke in the parking lot of the hospital as we pulled in. It was like out of the movies. So we pulled up to the emergency room. He stayed outside because we didn't know if he could go in. You could only access through the emergency department. I said, hi, I think my water broke. And they said, did you call your doctor? I said, yes, twice. They haven't returned my call. So they like rushed me up to labor and delivery, called the doctor during that time. And we ended up going in. Everything was fine. I was able to get an epidural. I was five centimeters dilated when I went in, got an epidural pretty immediately, and started to push like in the middle of the night, like one, two in the morning and pushed and pushed. They kept telling me I was so close, so close. Two hours later, she finally came, which was beautiful. Um, and that was my story with her. <laughs> awesome. So like I said before, my experience with Luca was that I needed to have an emergency induction. I went in for my 37-week checkup with him, and my blood pressure was really high which had not happened at all throughout my pregnancy. So they definitely found that it was an indication of preeclampsia. I had to call my husband who had just started his first day back at school. This was September of 2021. And I said, you need to get home right now. We have to go to the hospital. We're having this baby today. <laughs> so we went home. We had our bags packed, but pretty much nothing else was ready. We had nobody to watch our dog. It was pure chaos. I had a grocery delivery coming that Caitlin had to come put away <laughs> while we were at the hospital. So we show up to the hospital, we get admitted, and I was already having contractions before I even was induced, but I wasn't feeling anything. Kind of the same thing where I was like, it has to get worse than this. And it just, what I didn't even know that I was having contractions. We were in the labor and delivery room and I was hooked up to an IV and Pitocin and started having really bad heartburn from Pitocin. It was just a really unpleasant experience overall with all of the interventions that I had to have the first time and just not knowing. I think as I've said a hundred times already through this episode, I hate the lack of control. I hate not knowing what's going to happen and there is a lot of that during childbirth. So I started to have what I thought were contractions and really ended up being back labor, but at least we knew that he was starting to descend and I was dilating. Um, I actually went really, really quickly from five to 10 centimeters so quickly that my doctor was on a phone call and the nurses didn't believe me when I said that it was time to push and came in to check how far dilated I was and Luca's head was coming out. So 
I felt that the actual pushing was very, very quick for me, but I was overall in labor for about 24 hours before we had him. Um, I also had hemorrhaging, which I didn't find out about until afterward, um, like at my postpartum visit. And I had, I always say it didn't seem traumatic in the moment as things were happening. I didn't feel like I had a traumatic experience, but then going back later on and talking about it, I'm like, oh, I didn't really love how certain things happened. So that was kind of my first time birth. And then my second was a completely different experience despite having a lot of the same interventions. I forgot to mention I did also get an epidural with Luca and that was my first request when I got to the hospital and had my planned induction with crew. I said, I just don't wanna miss my opportunity for the epidural. I give so much credit to anybody who either chooses to or just doesn't have the opportunity to have an epidural because I just don't want to feel that. <laughs> but I that was my first request when we got there. I was able to start my Pitocin, get an epidural, and um, I believe we started the whole process at 10 o'clock in the morning. This was in April of 2023. We started at 10 o'clock in the morning and I pushed for 15 minutes and had maybe not even 15 minutes, let way less than 15 minutes. And I had him by 2.30 in the afternoon. It was super quick. I had a very supportive birth team, which was amazing. And I think this time around, I can definitely say that I did not have a traumatic birth with crew. And now had a totally different birth experience with my son. I, as I mentioned earlier, started to have severe itching all over my body. I was on an antibiotic. I had a double ear infection and a sinus infection, which is not fun when you're 37 weeks pregnant or at any time. So I called my doctor, said, I'm kind of itching everywhere, but I don't know if it's the antibiotic. And he said, yeah, stop taking it and take some Benadryl for your hives. And I said, well, I don't have hives. He said, you should come in, we should do some blood work and monitor the baby. So I went into labor and delivery, they took blood work, they monitored his heart rate, said everything was great, looked good, they were going to, you know, check the blood work and call me if anything. He called me back probably 30 minutes later and said, I don't want to alarm you, but your liver enzymes are severely high, we're probably inducing you tonight, which fully panicked me. <laughs> My dad happened to be at my house with my daughter and my husband was home. So we packed everything up super quick, didn't have the car seat ready, like nothing. We were not prepared. It was three weeks early, thought we had more time. Um, so packed everything up, went into the hospital. They did more blood work, started hooking me up to IVs, all of that, which this was more interventions than with my daughter. So I wasn't prepared for that. Um, but they hooked me up. This was in the evening. It was, what, like 7 o'clock probably because, yeah. of course, I texted Anna in a panic. <laughs> um, went in. They started me on the Pitocin. Ended up getting an epidural because, again, the Pitocin, like, wasn't feeling contractions, nothing. Knew what to look for. Was still fine. They kept questioning me. So I said, just give me the epidural because, same with Anna, did not want to miss my opportunity. So got the epidural, um, he ended up breaking my water, 
And shortly after, I my husband was sleeping because that's what husbands do. Um, this was about 6 a.m. now. And I was yelling for him because I went from zero to ready to go. Like, didn't feel anything. And then all of a sudden, it all came on at once. I didn't have Pitocin with my first because, like I said, I went naturally with her. So the Pitocin, I know sometimes people have different, like, reactions to it or feel differently with it. I really didn't feel anything. I hear contractions are worse with it, but I didn't have that experience. I didn't have bad contractions either, and I thought maybe the second time around that it would feel different because I wasn't having back labor, and I truly now can say that maybe I would go without an epidural if I were to have a third, but we're not having a third, so we'll never find out. No third, definitely an epidural for me, though. <laughs> um but I started, I told my husband, I said, this baby's coming. So he called for the nurses. They were like, okay, just hold off. We're waiting for the doctor. And I'm like, no, no, he's he's coming. And I told my husband, my biggest complaint from the delivery with my daughter was they kept telling me I was so close when I wasn't so close. And that's awful. Like when you think like you're almost there and you're not, I said to my husband, do not let them lie to me. So the doctor came in. I gave the first push. He's like, you're so close. I whipped around with sheer anger in my face at my husband, like ready to scream at the doctor. And he goes, no, no, you're really close. One more push and he was out, which was much quicker and more efficient than my daughter. So I think going back to the beginning of birth with your first child, I know for Caitlin and I, we really went along with everything that the doctors recommended or told us was standard. And that's fine if that's what you choose to do. There's zero judgment here. But as a second time mom, I think we both did a lot more research. There was a lot more thought that went into those things. So if there were interventions that felt unnecessary to us because we researched the meaning and the reasoning behind those things, we were able to opt out of it. So for example, we talked about the eye ointment that babies get after birth. And the first time we both just said, yep, do whatever you need to do. And the second time we had done our research and we found out that that eye ointment is put on babies um, as a preventative measure in the event that the mother has STDs such as gonorrhea or chlamydia that would be passed through the birth canal and that the baby could end up blind if the mother had um, one of those STDs at birth. And we are both in positions where we knew that that was not a possibility for either of us, and we knew that our children would be safe and would be fine if they were born and didn't have that eye ointment. Um, trying to think if there's anything else I did delayed cord clamping the second time too I did delayed cord clamping both times and interestingly when I had requested it the first time my practice told me that there was no benefit to doing delayed cord clamping and that there was no research showing that there are benefits to it which is super interesting because I did provide them with a lot of research that shows the benefits of it. Um, as everyone knows, I'm a behavior analyst, so I, I research everything for a living. That is part of my job, and it's something that I'm super passionate about. So even when it came to my kids and their whole life so far, I have researched everything just about that has gone into their life. So 
when the doctors said to me that there was no benefit for it, I came armed with a packet of the research that shows all of the benefits. And so I knew going into, of course, my second birth that that would be something that we would do as well. And luckily, I had switched practices from the first time to the second time. And my new practice was super on board with all of the things that I had requested. Um, I think that's something else that we can talk about is our birth plan the first time versus the second time. I really didn't have, I was very open as far as birth plan because I know obviously delivery and births is very unexpected. So I had like a list of things that like I would have preferred, like I wanted to have a vaginal delivery, hopefully both times. Um, But like Anna said, I definitely was more armed with information my second time and felt more confident in the choices I was making. I did stay with the same practice it was a different doctor I did not like the doctor that it delivered my daughter she actually ended up leaving the practice shortly after I had my daughter Um, and the doctor that delivered my son happened to be my favorite doctor from the practice so that was great felt more supported in that Um, but as far as birth plan I was very go with the flow both times but definitely had more research my second time about what I wanted um, and things for him mostly for him things for him I'd say yeah I think my first time and I would say actually both times I don't even know that I want to call it a birth plan it was more requests about things that I wanted to see at my birth so same thing I was hoping to have a vaginal vaginal delivery both times um initially before I had my emergency induction I was hoping to not really have medical intervention if I didn't need it aside from an epidural But um, the second time, I was far more supported by my new practice in the requests that I was making and being able to move around despite having the epidural. Um, They were amazing about repositioning me every 15, 20 minutes if I needed to, just so that we could keep the process going as quickly and as comfortably as possible. And I really think that that contributed a lot to that lessened pain as well. Let's talk about your recovery with Deanna. So you don't know what to expect after you give birth. Your whole body hurts. You are just in severe pain. But I did have a pretty easy recovery. Again, it was still COVID. Um, It was November of 2020. So that was when they were saying, oh, it's going to be a bad fall and winter. So watch out. And like vaccines hadn't really started to roll out yet. So it was still a scary time. Um. We had very limited visitors because of that. It was mostly just like our immediate family. Um, Everybody was masked for it, which was sad now looking back at it, but what we felt needed to be done at the time. Um, But I was able to fully rest and recover well, luckily. Yeah, I think I had a little bit of a different experience with Luca in that we were going through a lot of big life changes after I had him so while I had support I had my mom come and stay with us after the first two weeks that we were home she stayed for I believe another two weeks so that was amazing in that level of support but we were also in the middle of renovating our basement so we had contractors here on a daily basis which was I think really difficult in establishing breastfeeding for me. We had had a hard time getting Luca to latch to begin with. Um, He was born at a really low birth weight, which also didn't help the situation. 
but on top of that we had people coming in and out of the house so I was just I think very uncomfortable to begin with um, I also had some complications from my preeclampsia and from my hemorrhaging at his birth. I continued to have really heavy bleeding to the point where I was getting lightheaded and passing out when I was home by myself. So that was also scary and not great. But I was told by my team of doctors before I left the hospital that it was really important for me to walk a lot and get all of the fluids out of my system to help with the swelling and they didn't mention to me that I had hemorrhaged at birth so I was probably working against my body a little bit by moving a little bit too much too soon and that really just made recovery a lot more difficult the first time for me when I think had I been armed with a little bit more knowledge about what was going on with my body I might have taken it a little bit slower and then the second time I think I was like ready to go as soon as we came home I mean I also I actually also hemorrhaged with crew and it was a very severe hemorrhage that I very much knew about in the hospital but I felt totally fine despite all of the blood that I lost and nearly needing a transfusion um, but I came home and I was ready to go for walks and I was ready to pick up Luca and do all of the things as I normally did when I wasn't pregnant. So I think in that aspect, your body and your brain really know what you're coming home to. And I know that there is a recommendation that you should stay in bed for a week after you have the baby and then you're supposed to stay on the couch for the following week after you have the baby. To me, that was just not realistic, and that was not realistic with having my mom here for the first month of Crew's life. So I, if there's anybody out there who's doing that, I give you so much credit for being able to do that. I just didn't feel like I could miss out on everything that was going on, and I didn't feel that my house would be operating in the way that it needed to be, especially in that first month. Definitely. I had... I'd say maybe a little bit of a rougher recovery like out of the hospital I had to um, be on a magnesium drip because of the induction and the like preeclampsia that came on so suddenly and magnesium makes you kind of woozy they said I was a very good magnesium patient um the best one they'd seen <laughs> but it does like makes you feel a little lightheaded and I needed to be checking my blood pressure because of the concerns of the postpartum preeclampsia um but otherwise, like body recovery, I felt a lot less sore. I also was, I pushed for a lot less longer with him. And I feel like my body healed much quicker and took to breastfeeding much easier because I had nursed my daughter. So that all came, I'd say, like very naturally with him. Um, and yeah, definitely didn't stay in bed for a week. My husband's family owns a business, so... He was back to work day two, which I told him to go back to work because there really wasn't much help he could provide for me other than picking up and taking our daughter to daycare, which he did. So it was kind of just me and Chase home by ourselves during the day, which was nice and lots of snuggles. And then after week one, I was back to taking my daughter to daycare and kind of back to just functioning as before, right? Yeah, I mean, you were definitely back to your normal self within a week and I also I do think like you said that the less that you have to push that 
you do have an easier recovery because you're not so sore and you're not in so much pain and I know that while you're pushing the doctors are worried about if you push really hard really fast they're worried about tearing I personally did not have that bad of an experience um the second time or the first time for that matter I mean I tore but it was not bad at all and I've definitely heard of a lot worse so I think you know of course everybody's different every body is different and everyone's going to have a different experience but I do agree that like the less time that you have to push it just logically makes more sense that you're not going to have as long of a recovery yeah and I feel like with the second because obviously you have one other one to take care of you kind of have to jump back in to things a little sooner than you would with your first one which is definitely stressful but you just kind of have to carry on and go through it and as we mentioned, we both have control issues. So yeah. <laughs> I think there was just no staying out of it for either of exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't an option. So let's talk a little bit about what our first year with our first child looked like. A lot of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> so much anxiety. And worry. I I told Anna now after having a second, you just have so much thought to go back on like what you did the first time and how different it was and what you didn't know and your fears but I tracked every diaper the second she woke up I had to track it if my husband missed didn't start the timer at the right time for the feeding I would freak out (laughs) absolutely and I think so many of those tools that are meant to help you especially as a first-time mom can also create so much anxiety definitely I felt I needed to know like if the doctor said how many wet diapers did she have I needed to know it was seven white wet diapers and how much of a wet diaper yeah was was it it like fully wet wet? was it a little (laughs) wet her feedings did she spit up did she not spit up like I tracked everything and if she spit up do I need to feed her again or do I need to give another bottle or are they going to be hungry soon and if my husband missed anything I was mad (laughs) (laughs) I think I can certainly talk about for myself I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety and postpartum rage um Caitlin I know you weren't diagnosed but I probably should have been now like in retrospect looking back on it which a lot of people don't know and Anna being in this background she had more tools and information of knowing about it but now looking back on my experience obviously I'm only two months in with my son but the way I feel overall and the anxieties like I think I definitely did have postpartum anxiety with my first yeah and I think when I went into my six-week follow-up appointment with my doctor again this was at my first practice that there are a lot of things that I would like to change about that but I went into that appointment thinking yeah I'm fine like sure I'm nervous but I'm a first-time mom these are normal feelings that I'm having and one of those feelings for me was in the middle of the night when I was up feeding the baby by myself or he would wake up and start crying my husband is a really deep sleeper and he could sleep through every noise that the baby was making and it made me angry and I think this is the difference in me not understanding because there was a lack of information of what postpartum rage is I always felt that I I never wanted to harm my baby I never wanted to harm myself I was so mad at my husband and I was like I'm I'm just divorcing him I'm done like I I can't deal with him I was mad at a lot of the people around me but never my baby and I thought that that was 
normal. I thought that that was the difference between postpartum rage and normal, like just feeling your emotions. And when I went in for that follow-up appointment, my doctor was like, girl, that's not normal. (laughs) And um, she felt that the best course of action at that time was to go on an antidepressant, which I think at that time, that was fine for me and ultimately I was also seeing my therapist who I saw for my anxiety uh, throughout my first pregnancy and I still see on and off now and I was able to taper off of the antidepressant and um, find other strategies that worked for me to help with my anxiety and my rage. Um, But I definitely agree that the second time around, you're armed with so much more knowledge and understanding of your body and the baby, and it's just a different experience all around. I can definitely say so far, six months in, that I am not experiencing postpartum anxiety or rage. It's definitely my baseline is my usual baseline, which I would feel whether I was pregnant or not, um, or postpartum or not, and it's just, it comes with that life experience of going through that first pregnancy and birth and understanding what your baby needs. And I think for both of us, like we mentioned with our control and <laughs> that the, fear, help. <laughs> the fear of not knowing. So with the second time, you just know a little bit more and you know what to expect. Like you just don't know the first time. And when the baby cries, it's the anxiety of, are they hungry? Are they tired? And you're just more prepared the second time. So I think that helps like lessen any anxiety and I feel nowadays it's more there's more research and more help for people that are having these feelings and that it's not kind of pushing it under the rug oh it's your hormones like sometimes people do need the help for it and it's now people are getting the help for which is great and there's no shame in needing help whether it's medication or needing to talk to a counselor or any of the other options for treatment so definitely just because I said I was able to taper off medication please don't feel that that means that you know you should feel any shame if you need medication that is entirely up to you and your doctors and what you feel comfortable with Um, I think another thing that super contributed to my anxiety as a first-time mom was the technology that we have available to us, like our cameras, our monitors. We have the Owlet sock, which I don't think I could have lived without the first time, and now it's part of our routine that we put it on crew, but I don't look at it at all overnight, I think. My husband still does, but I I don't check it. And when I had Luca, it was, I would wake up every couple hours overnight to check it and make sure that he was breathing and that his heart rate was okay. Um, And same with like the tracking apps and all of those things. Like it comes from a really good place and it's amazing that we have access to that. But I think you have to know yourself if that's creating more anxiety for you that maybe it's something that you need to take a step back from I was a big monitor watcher with my daughter so she would go down and I couldn't find myself to do anything other than literally watch the monitor now with my son I don't even know where the monitor is half the time yep exactly I mean I think I don't even usually put the monitor on when he's napping it's at night we have it on just in case but for both of them uh, but when I had Luca I if I didn't actively watch 
the video I had the audio on in the background I had to know like the second he fell asleep and was he sleeping good and my monitor tells me when he wakes up so I needed all of those things or I thought I needed all of those things and now looking back I see that that was really excessive in terms of what my anxiety was telling me so I know I was able to recognize a lot of triggers the first time that I was kind of able to mitigate with my second baby. Um, can you think of certain triggers that you had? I think my biggest thing was people trying to push their advice because it's something that they had done or just like old recommendations. Oh, well, I did this and they were fine kind of thing or not giving me the credit that I had done my research on things that I wanted to do. Oh, well, why are you doing that? That yeah. was a trigger for me. Why are you doing that, I think? Yeah, and I think it, although it's coming from a good place and people mean well when they're asking you why are you doing it that way or they're saying I did it this way and my child turned out fine, I think as a mom, especially a first-time mom, it feels like they're undermining you and your knowledge of your child and your ability to be a mom. And especially when you're doing research and you're trying to make sure that you're doing everything so that you're not, quote-unquote, messing up your child, um, it just, that is really, really triggering for a lot of people. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure I was doing it, quote-unquote, the right way, which I think... I was probably my own worst trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think also that pressure is one societal and then like you said pressure coming from yourself um, and I think having a support system and having somebody to talk to that is maybe unbiased or somebody who has been through it before is also really helpful in mitigating some of those triggers. I know one of the comments that still sticks with me today from when I had Luca and he he was not a, a little tiny baby anymore. He was definitely older, um, over a year old, and we were going to the chiropractor. It was a little bit of a rainy day. It was probably like in the 60s, and when I'm telling you this is a core memory for me of something that so enraged me was I was walking from my car with him to the door of the chiropractor's office which was maybe 15 feet and I didn't put a jacket on him he didn't have a jacket on in his car seat because as we now know that is unsafe for in the car and somebody passing by made a comment about oh that baby's gonna freeze to death he's not wearing a jacket and I actually said go fuck yourself under my breath because I was so enraged that this woman this stranger who I had never even seen before had the audacity to judge my entire mother mothering strategies from five seconds of seeing me walking with my child in the rain and it's something that I still think about every time that I'm getting my kids in and out of the car which is something that I probably should be processing a little bit more in therapy. But it's definitely, you know, those little things where people don't even think about what they're saying to a parent as they're, you know, getting their child out of the car or wherever it is. Like, I think that's something that as a society, people should probably think a little bit more about how you might be affecting somebody else. That woman's comment she probably never even thought about it again and here I am thinking about it every day for the rest of two, my life two years later, two years later. <laughs> 
so we both ended up really having um making the same choices I think in childcare. but do you want to talk about how you decided on child care for Deanna so I still was working partially remote I was actually working part-time after I had Deanna partially because I was a first-time mom I wanted to be home with her and partially because the world was still shut down and I was my main job is party planning so like parties hadn't been full swing back into the thing so I was still part-time which kind of worked out in a sense COVID was actually knock on wood kind of good to me um in the sense that I got more time with my baby I am very fortunate that the first house we lived in happened to be five houses from my husband's parents so I had the convenience of always having my mother-in-law five houses away which was very nice so I could run out to the store or I could drop Deanna off with my mother-in-law she had her own room at his parents house so I was very lucky with that she didn't start daycare until she was just about eight months um and she only went part-time so she went to daycare three days a week just to get I was starting back into work in a more, more full-time capacity and I just wanted the exposure of her getting into seeing other kids and just getting into that kind of routine so she went to daycare three days a week and then my mother-in-law had her two days a week which was nice yeah I kind of made some of the same choices with Luca um initially we were planning on having my mother-in-law watch him five days a week and then my husband and I kind of reevaluated our ideas and what we wanted for him and my husband is a teacher and we know that socialization is super important for kiddos when they're young and also just building natural immunity I think those were our two main ideas as to why we wanted to send him to daycare a couple of days so we also chose to send him three days a week and um, we had looked at a couple of different daycare facilities and ultimately decided to send him to the same one as Deanna so that we would kind of all be on the same page about things and we just knew that they were super happy with their experience at this daycare and we felt that we would probably have a similar experience and so Luca was going three days a week he started when he was four months old that was when I went back to work and I was working part-time as well just because I had the flexibility to do so um, and then my mother-in-law was watching him the other two days and again going back to my anxiety I had so many control issues and I think that it was really difficult for me because she was watching him in our house which is where I asked her to watch him but it also made it hard because every time that he cried or made any noise I could hear it and I wanted to be the one to be there and to help him and I just again like I said had a lot of control issues with that um around Luca's first birthday we decided to send him back to daycare or send him to daycare full-time because he was thriving there he was doing really well and I think it was more important for me to get him out of the house so that I wasn't so focused on what was going on with him at home um now with crew we sent him back to daycare at by five months old yeah he was a month older than Luca when he went to daycare he is currently going three days a week and he is home with me the other two days and so I am experiencing fully the working mom life working from home with an infant which has its challenges but you know like Caitlin said I 
really wanted to be able to spend time with my baby. I know that he's my last baby, so I also wanted to make sure that I can savor as much of that time with him as possible. And then I know that Chase will eventually be starting daycare. Chase will eventually be starting daycare. He's only two months now. I did start back to work part-time, partially because he's a very good baby. Um, so he sleeps still most of the day, and this is my busy season for work. So I decided to start back so that I can kind of stretch out extended leave and keep him at home with me until he's at that same about eight months till we get through, like, cold and flu season of a newborn even though my toddler's gonna bring everything home to him at least still he can be home with me until he's about the same age as her um and then I get the flexibility to work from home with him right now he's currently napping in cruise crib while we do this (laughs) (laughs) I think going back to work after you have your first baby is one of the hardest things that you'll ever do yes (laughs) and I don't think it gets all that much easier with your second baby I think that's just such a challenging time because you're stepping into a role especially the first time you're stepping into a role as a mom and as somebody who's working that you have never experienced before and you've never had to split yourself like that um I know that for myself even when I am working part-time I spend some of my time outside of the home working directly with clients and some of my time working from home doing virtual calls with parents and leaving my children I actually just said this to my mom the other day leaving my children at daycare for somebody else to watch them when I am going to then work with other people's children is really hard for me to wrap my brain around because I'm like why can't I just watch my kids full-time but also I know that's not great for me (laughs) mentally I need that break and I need to be able to leave the house and have time apart from you know my kids but it's definitely really difficult especially when you see the daycare bill come in every week yeah when you're like mom guilt and it's mom guilt for sure but man that daycare bill is a killer it's really steep um but you know going back to work I think it's important and whatever that looks like for you so even if it's you know that you stay at home with your kids just having something else to get you out of the house and that you're doing for yourself I mean certainly I don't see going back to work as self-care, but it is a time that I'm able to be separate from my kids where I'm not having to actively be thinking about their schedules and things like that. And I think that that's huge as well. Yeah, definitely. All right. I think that is pretty much all that we have to say on this topic. That was a lot, of (laughs) course. Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning in and thank you, Caitlin, for coming and joining us. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Relatable Mama podcast. We would appreciate if you would like and subscribe to our podcast for updates. For more information on how we can support you, check out our Instagram at Anchor Behavioral Consulting or visit our website, anchorbehavioralconsultingllc.com. See you next time.